episode four of the News Talk SSE or Tristy League of Ireland podcast, and I've got a piece of historic news for our milestone this week, Oshin. Numero four. And you, dear listener, we are now on a level pegging with the Chevy Chase show on Fox, which lasted a whole four episodes and then had an episode made after cancellation. But four episodes is all they ever made to wear. So to, can we to make be it beyond fair, this point? To be fair to Chevy Chase, he said that the the Fox studio did not give him the creative control he wanted. And I thought that uh, segment with him shooting hoops with Goldie Hawn actually yep. worked quite well. Listen, all I know is we are now on a par in showbiz terms to Chevy Chase. And isn't that something to be proud of? Hot Tub Time Machine podcast. Take 40. Lunch? <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Can we get, make a phone call? Who does Chevy Chase support in the League of Ireland? Get your tweets in. At Richie McCormick, Rado, Shane Lang. And you're very welcome along. Uh, it has been a slightly broken, fractured, odd week. It's been week. weird. It, it seems like about three weeks ago that I was at Richmond Park watching Dundalk and Pats. Thursday last yeah. is when it actually was. And then we had a rake games on the Saturday evening. Uh, because in the middle was the Ireland International. And we did have some Irish players equip themselves rather well over the course of of the last couple of nights especially those who uh, originally performed in the League of Ireland yeah, Shane Long was the best of them and I think I agree with Keith Andrews who was talking to Off the Ball about the fact that Long has to start because he stretches teams and he's got pace and he's the only kind of forward player that we have that has pace with the exception maybe of James McLean but he's not always trusted to start games whereas no. Andrews was saying that Long should start probably not as good uh, well I was going to say a couple of games but one part of a game for Darren Murphy who even before he got injured wasn't playing particularly well. I liked Aaron Murphy. I've always liked him as a guy. He's a very honest player. I know that sometimes is a bit of an insult. But there was one moment that kind of summed it up for me when he got in on the right-hand side and he just took a cross shot that was just one of the worst things I've ever seen in the Aviva. Um, 20, 20 caps for Ireland, still no goals for him. Is he going to go to France, do you think? Well, we don't know for two reasons. One, you know, will he fit into the squad? And mm. two, the injury. I think he's done enough. I think... The injury was a calf one, if I remember correctly. Yes. Hopefully he should be back in time, at least from a personal standpoint, for that of Ipswich, of course, as well in the Championship. But I'm reckoning that he will be in the mix to go. He's somebody that O'Neill seems to like, seems to trust, seems to think he can do a job for him. Yeah. I think if you've earned a starting berth on a couple of occasions in the qualifying campaign, you're always in the box seat to perhaps go to the finals. But we shall see. Uh, Wes performed pretty well as well. Wes Houlihan, particularly against Slovakia and it was nice to see him being given a bit of space to do something as well, which is how he operates best. Wes was allowed to be Wes. Unfortunately, Alan Judge was not allowed to be Alan Judge. We're qualifying him on the parent rule because his dad played for Bray and won a cup with them in 91. That's right. Yeah, Dermot. so he is kind of, sort yeah. of. I'm including Eunan O'Kane as well. Why? Just because? The, the name <laughs> Eunan. Yeah, he, like it's like Paul McShane. You kind of have to remind yourself. Oh, I, for some reason, I always think of these guys as coming through the league. Yeah, and I don't. I don't think they did. I think just because Eunan O'Kane has a slightly more bucolic name yeah. than most. Maybe, maybe it's because oh, he's from Derry. Him and James McLean, they're kind of the same. They're all the one. But yeah. he was particularly McLean impressive well against well. Slovakia, and McLean did well. I was ups- not upset, uh, disappointed not to see David Ford given a run in the wake of uh, Rob Elliott's unfortunate injury because Dan Randolph had played the original game, the the first game on the uh, the Friday night. And I would have presumed, following on from the Swiss performance, Randolph had done enough to kind of go, yep, box ticked, I'm going to be going to France. Ford surely deserved a run-up, a run-off, a run-out even, uh, when Elliot went off. I was sitting beside Joe Malloy at the game, and when he didn't come on against Slovakia, I thought, OK, that's it. Even if Ford goes to the Euros, it's ass number three. Because why wouldn't you put him on? You know what Randolph can do. Mm. You know what Given can do. Obviously, he wasn't there last night because he's still recovering from injury. So why not have a look at Ford, who did nothing wrong when he's played for Ireland? Now, he's not playing for his club at the moment, the Galway man. 
and that's a that's a big big uh, loss. But look, but there are he, others who haven't been getting games at you know club level. Who is been, goalkeeping more important though in that regard? I don't think so. I think like, it's you, as a keeper, do you have to? Is it more important for you to play than outfield players? I think we've had goalkeepers in the past who proved that that's not the case. You know, Bonner at times wasn't number one at Celtic when he was there. Given uh, as well, found himself down the pecking order at various clubs that he was at. Alan Kelly, ditto when he was at Sheffield United, wasn't always number one mm-hmm. there, but were always performed rather well and could be trusted between the six for Ireland. It's very true. You would back David Ford to come through it, though. I mean, this is the guy who essentially gave up the game and went chasing a spot on the Galway football team until none other than Stephen Kenny helped reinvent him. What a man Stephen Kenny is. More on Dundalk's win over uh, St. Patrick's Athletic. Comprehensive that it may have been, although some saying not a 4-0 uh, this week, but sure, that's the way the cookie crumbled at the end of the day. And we'll also be speaking to Paul O'Hare to look ahead to the week's games. But first, to look back from this man to my left. Everyone starts going, here's the gaffer, quick! Well, patchy is the word Liam Buckley used to describe their display in the 4-0 defeat to Dundalk last Thursday at Richmond Park. Dundalk top of the table while the Saints are sixth ahead of their trip to Finn Harps on Friday. Now, the defeat suggests that the good run has come to a halt, but like me, Stewie Byrne was at the game. He told Off The Ball's Tuesday night League of Ireland chat that it wasn't a 4-0 match. Liam Buckley, by the way, Agrees. Ah, look, in patches we played well up to half time, although it was 1 0. I think we created more chances than they did. I thought we played well. Um, unfortunately, we gave them some sloppy goals away in the second half, and we went chasing it down at two, and obviously we got spanked for. I think they've had a very good run of form since they've since they lost the opening game against Galway they do they, they lack that little bit of a continuity between the team cause it's a very very new team um, you know you can see that the, in, in certain parts of the pitch the two centre halves and the, the, the three lads in midfield kind of need a little bit more game time together to get used to each other used to their little to the quirks to the you know the different styles of play um, but I think that will come um, you know obviously Dundalk are the league champions and they were able to uh, certainly capitalise on, on, on the fact that it's, it's a relatively new team but um, I think they'll be okay Patch and I think they can, they, they can only get better Stephen Kenny's current side hosts his old one on Friday night it's a live TV encounter as Dundalk take on Derry it's hard to know whether or not Macmillan who scored off the bench against Pats or Kilduff who started that game will play up front from the start that is Stewie says those two could be the key for the town this season I can see them both chopping and changing as to who will start and who will come off the bench and one can be just as deadly coming off the bench uh, as they may be if, if they start the game. Um, but certainly you got a bang on the other night. Like I say, Mac- Macmillan comes on and within two minutes he's he's gotten the second goal. M- makes a huge difference to the, to the result. But yeah, definitely the way, the way... I think I think the other players in the team will always get goals. Horgan will get you goals. Stevie O'Donnell will get you goals. Even Gartland um, at, the, at the back and, and, and Dane Massey. They're all capable of getting goals from set pieces or whatever the case may be. The, the sole responsibility of goals is going to lie on, on, on Macmillan and Kilduff. Derry lost their first game but have won four from four since. Ex-Kilmarnock boss Kenny Shields is the man in charge at the Brandywell and Stewie likes the Stephen Kenny-like effect he's having on foil side. In this manager, they might they may well be look, uh, trying to find it, might, might be getting it back again because he's very much a guy who is, you know, his, his forte is kind of building a club around around the community, getting the community together. There's an, there's an edge to them this year. There's just something okay. something about them. You can see okay. they're playing for the jersey, yeah. they're, they're playing for the fans. Um, and of course, we've had some terrible incidents up, up, up in Derry in the last couple of weeks. And, and the there just seems to be something that's kind of soldering them there all, all together, and it's great to see. It yeah. is really, you know, I've always loved and played in the Brandywell. Thought it was a great place to go and play. Always oh. a really, really difficult place to go and play. Galway United go east to Shamrock Rovers on Friday night with a point more collected than Rovers so far. Granted, 
Rovers have a game in hand. Vinnie Faherty's goal was enough to give them the 1-0 win against Bohemians in the wind and the rain at Eamon DC Park last Saturday. Stewie told off the ball how important Faherty is for Galway, but first midfielder John Sullivan told Galway Bay FM they are where they should be. They're currently third in the league, by the way. He says they should maybe even be in a better position yeah fantastic three points um, especially after the back of a defeat against Derry which we should have won also so again yeah fantastic three points man for man we beat them all over the pitch and we got the results so again we're happy we should have won last week we all know we should have won we devastated um, Sligo again we should have won it was our game so today we got the three points we're back up where we belong I'm going to say where we belong because we're good enough for the top three top four but yeah Rovers it'll be a great game to look forward everyone loves playing Antalya hopefully we get the win again They've had some good performances, but when you look at the league table, it still says five games, one draw and zero wins. Wexford Youth's going to Bray looking for that vital first victory this Friday night after that 2-1 loss to Derry at Ferry Carrick Park last weekend. An injury time goal, the last kick of the match, dealing them a massive, massive blow. Youth's boss Shane Keegan remains positive. He told off the ball what he thinks they're missing. I'd imagine Stewie will agree there. I mean, the one thing that we are lacking at the moment, and we knew we were going to be lacking it, there, was, there wasn't a whole lot we could do about it, was when you're 3-2 you're up against Bowes or when you're 1-0 you're with Dundalk, just a, a, you know an experienced player who has three, four seasons in League of Ireland Premier Division football under him who's able to put their foot in the ball, kill a game off for 10 or 15 minutes and, and, and just let it die out until the whistle goes. We don't have that, but we know we didn't have that. We, we, we've got pl- lots of positives that kind of make up for that I believe um, and the experience as you say can only come with games ah! <laughs> oh, Thank you Roddy letting us know that the rap is over with for another week and Did I do it in under a minute as promised? No no considerably over okay. yet again for the you know millionth time well fourth but let's be honest the kids love information and you're bringing that to them information and sweets is what kids love You see what's happening <laughs> What's happening here is that we're two old dinosaurs. I'm like a velociraptor. Um, it's hard to get it into your head that Steady. this is not radio. Uh, and, you know, we're used to saying things like, oh, the clock is against us. Oh, the time has beaten us again. Whereas in podcast land, the, the amount of time you have for items is infinite. Sadly, the amount of studio space you have isn't, but the amount of time you has, have is. So we could legitimately sit here doing yeah. not much. Episode four could be both the first and the last of the new series if so, it continued so forever we don't really have to actually say anything it's just we're filling time well it works on Soccer Republic that was it's <laughs> uncomfortable actually isn't it That's cold. and rather rather harsh and untrue as well actually cold cold stuff I actually like it as a show. I mean, if it wasn't for Soccer Republic, where would we get imp- our information? I wouldn't see half of the highlights. It's fine. Yeah, I'd have to make them up. I'd be playing the Mountain Football Manager. I'd be, I'd be 2003 edition. I'd, I'd be colouring in little pieces of paper for you going, that's the colour this team playing. We'd literally just be going on league ladders yeah. that we got free in some paper about 10 years ago and replace yeah. the actual names for Premier League clubs with Premier Division clubs and chop the league in half. You know what I've never, ever, er, ever hidden? Your paunch? Uh, that's a little bit harsh but okay uh, my love of Turner's Cross where my paunch was actually at its biggest back in the 0405 because you have to keep in mind how big a boozer I was back then that's not a joke by the way I've since given it up anyway um, it's a great venue and what was the good news this week Richie? Uh, the good news is the cross is getting full international yes it is I uh, hope this is actually counted as a full international not some weird thing where they end up remember the Hungarian game before uh, Euro 2012 where some people kind of got capped some people didn't and there was this whole question of whether Robbie Keane I believe had reached a certain milestone that's right what was the 
what was the loophole there or the little quirk? That it wasn't, there wasn't a fully qualified referee or something oh, like that in charge of it. yeah. So make sure that everybody's qualified and fully up on their badges before sticking them out on uh, the officiating duty at Turner's Cross come May and that friendly with Belarus. But it is fantastic to see, yeah. much like that old um, sitcom within the day-to-day, uh, the Bureau de Change, hitting the regions. Uh, we're sending them yeah. out in the back of a truck and they are performing their wares in front of the grateful core crowd. Boy, I'm trying to run a high-class bureau de change, not some two-bit nipple peep show in Rio de Janeiro. How many times no one gets those references except for us two? Yes. Now, Ireland have pre- played a pre-tournament game in Cork before, and I'm going off half a story that I kind of remember here from my Cork days, oh and as, as I've already told you, some of those days were a little bit hazy. hazy. Um a Cork football historian who I think was called Plunkett Carter it's a hard name to forget told me about a kind of a testimonial game where a Munster selection took on a lot of Jack Charlton's team that were going to Euro 88 the young Jack Charlton's team there is photographic evidence of this one of the I I think I know where you're going with this but I'll let you go on John Aldridge had yet to score for Ireland and it was becoming an issue and he got a penalty and Alec Ludzik the, the late great Cork legend saved it and apparently after the game Charlton said to Ludzik, like, what the hell are you doing? This lad needs confidence, and you're you're stopping his confidence growing. And Ludzik said something to the effect of, "Go out of that, he couldn't beat a forty-year-old," and laughed it off. Now, whether or not that actually happened, or that's one of those kind of Charlton stories, I don't know. But I'm happy enough to go with it. I think there is photographic evidence of Tony Cascarino playing in this game with a jersey that, if you are one of these people who goes in for buying Ireland jerseys, and there are some of them that are pretty hard to come by, yeah. the one they played. Coincidentally, against uh, Spain down in Cork in 1985. Flower Lodge, Lodge, yeah, the now Porky Rain, yeah. Uh, It was only a once-off, I think, for that game. The previous game to that was a once-off as well, the one where they pretty much had a Kerry jersey. Um, But there is a picture of Tony Cascarino that I saw doing the rounds, and I presumed it was him because I've mostly seen it in black and white. But it turns out, no, this is an Ireland International. The Some Cement Company had (laughs) the sponsorship. It wasn't Opal on the Ireland jersey. It was some Irish cement company on the front of this jersey. And I think that might be the same game to which you're referring. And if it's not... Yeah. My deepest, humblest apologies. There are people listening to this who will correct me within a nanosecond of hearing this. And they I will. Welcome it. They will. And we welcome those corrections because I tried to Google this game today and I couldn't find it. And um, that's essentially the only modern research technique we have in media. If you can't find something via Google, nah. you just stop searching. Right. Let's uh, talk with uh, Paul O'Hare, who is the uh, football correspondent with the Irish Mirror. Uh, Paul, we will get to this week's fixtures and we'll reflect a bit on last week as well shortly. But first, how good is it that Turner's Cross gets to host a full international um, you know it's not something that we get to talk about very often uh, an actual Ireland game being played outside of Dublin yeah it's, it's absolutely fantastic and it's, it's great for Cork City and the Munster Football Association to be able to have a game like that when, when Martin O'Neill floated the idea with us um, the respective journalists covering covering the sort of the, the Easter doubleheader there when he first floated the idea we all kind of assumed that because it was then at the training camp it might sort of follow in line with what Trapattoni did over in Italy in Montecatini four years ago before Euro 2012 and play. I think we played a Tuscan, a local Tuscan 11 sort of select side over there and uh, it was kind of worse than the training game. And The initial sort of thoughts were that it would be something similar to that. You know, initially we were sort of speculating just among ourselves, would it be could it be Cork City themselves or a Cork City eleven? But of course they've they've a really big league game against Dundalk on the Friday night, so that was never going to happen. Then we were kind of wondering, could it just be like a monster select? And then very quickly, information sort of dripped out that the FAI had sought permission, uh, special permission from Aviva Stadium 
to play a full international away from the Aviva because they obviously have contractual sort of obligations there that they're tied into and the, the various the naming rights of the stadium things like that. So they needed special permission to play outside of the Aviva. And once we once once word got around that that was happening, then it looked pretty nailed on that it was going to be a full blown senior international. Uh, and Belarus are in town anyway because the night that Ireland play Holland on May the 27th, that's a Friday night, and O'Neill names his Euro squad the next day. Uh, Northern Ireland are actually playing Belarus up in Belfast on that Friday night. So they're in the country anyway. Yeah. I believe they had to sort out various visa issues and they're heading down to Turner's Cross now, which is fantastic because, as, as, as many people in the League of Ireland fans will know, like Turner's Cross, it, it really is one of the best stadiums in the league. It's a fantastic pitch. Um, numerous players will tell you it's their favourite ground to play in. And Cork City, in fairness to them, they get the best crowds in the league. And um, you know, for for sort of even sort of standard games, they might get three, four thousand there, and for a full house, they might have seven, seven, seven and a half thousand, something like that. So to have an international there would be re- really, really special, I think. And it's good as well for the players to get out of Dublin. Plus, it will bring back memories of Daly Mount Park. Anyone who watched that Apre match of the day recently will have seen the clips from the old games at Daly Mount where, OK, health and safety wasn't great, but those were the days. Um, I'm not saying those days should come back, by the way, but it was a different time. You're all for uh, sitting on the top of stands, O'Shea. I, I am. I yeah. Well, that's how I got into my first All-Ireland final. But anyway, and, and I was 12, which was quite embarrassing. Dad lifted me over the turnstiles. Anyway, um, Paddy Mulligan, we talked to him earlier in the week on the Rewind podcast, and he said playing in a close venue like that, especially like you know Daly Mount Park, which he would have played in several times for Ireland, it's great because you see the whites of the eyes of the fans and it's it's very enclosed and it's it's just something that players like it's something that fans like absolutely yeah and like you say daily you mentioned daily man park there like the current daily man park as you know like uh sort of you wouldn't exactly be sort of necessarily on top of the pitch if you know what i mean you know the stand is a little bit back and it's a huge big open pitch and particularly with sort of you know the other two sides of the ground not being in operation anymore it gives this big sort of vast empty field to it at times Whereas with Turner's Cross, a little bit like Inchicore, Richmond Park and Inchicore, you are literally, fans are literally almost right on the touchline. And, um, you know, I, Belarus are obviously not sort of the greatest opposition in the world. And they, they wouldn't necessarily draw the crowd, if you know what I mean. But obviously Ireland, sort of weeks, a couple of weeks out from the Euros, they're going to draw a huge crowd. And fans will literally be able to almost sit sort of packed in around the four sides of the ground. Because it is, it is a fine venue down at Turner's Cross. And it's, it really is great for the club. Paul, just in terms of the chronology of things, you mentioned that the squad will be announced uh, the, or at least finalised just before this friendly as well. Um, this will be a big boost, I suppose, to the squad when you mentioned being in that close proximity to the fans, knowing that this is the final 23 that's going to be heading off to France. I suppose this will almost be a little bit more of a boost than your standard fare at the Aviva. Yeah, I think so. I think that's a fair point. Um, so, yeah, we played the Holland game on, on the Friday and O'Neill has already sort of said that the two games we've just played against Switzerland and Slovakia were all about sort of experimenting and having a look at things. He, he indicated during the week that the Holland game on the 27th of May, he would look to play his strongest team possible, albeit there would still be scope for one or two players to come in and try and impress him. But obviously, he's planning to name the squad the next day on the 28th, the Saturday. And he said himself, the word he used was, you would have to do something pretty remarkable. Uh, to sort of force his way into plans at that late stage. So he then names the squad on the Saturday, the 28th. Uh, the Sunday, I'm not entirely sure what they're going to do on the Sunday. They might train in Dublin. I don't know. It'll just be down to the 23 players then because he's going to name a larger squad for the Holland game. He'll whittle it down to 23. And then on the Monday, they're going down to Photo Island 
for a five-day training camp, Monday to Friday inclusive, and that game now against Belarus and Turner's Cross is penciled in for the Tuesday night, which I think, from a player's perspective, even selfishly from a media perspective, it actually gives it, it, it's, it's a good distraction to have to have yeah. a game like that because had they not lined up a game, it would have been 17 days from the moment the Holland friendly finishes to when they kick off against Sweden in Paris in the first Euros match. So 17 yeah. long days in camp together. You know, a lot of players sort of spoke. They got pretty frustrated four years ago in Italy. There was a long time away. 15 days away, I think, before the first game and cabin fever set in and long training sessions and that type of thing. So to have a game like this, it definitely breaks it up nicely. O'Neill hadn't planned for it initially, but um, I think it, it, he's pretty happy with what he's done there. And you'll be in camp with the players in Photo Island along with Off the Balls, Nathan Murphy, but you won't be too busy because nothing exciting has ever happened really in a pre-tournament Ireland training camp. OK, let's talk about uh, the Electricity League this week. The one that jumps off the page is Dundalk against Derry. Paul, you were at the game last week in Richmond Park. To watch Dundalk beat St. Pat's 4-0, we heard Stewie Byrne say it earlier on and Liam Buckley say it earlier on. It wasn't a 4-0 game, but it just goes to show you how deadly accurate Dundalk can be, especially when Macmillan is on the pitch. He brought a bit more craft uh, than Kilduff was giving when he came on for Kilduff. Yeah, I think so. He, he sort of, Dave McMillan sort of came on and scored what I think his second touch of the game, as you say. Um, you're right. I don't think it was a 4-0 game, albeit at the same sense, Dundalk are just such a ruthless team. Um, they obviously got that early goal. St. Pat's had actually started quite well. Then Dundalk got that early goal in around nine or ten minutes, capitalising on a defensive mistake. But in fairness to Pat's, they got back into the game. And Christy Fagan had a couple of chances before halftime, might have pulled level Turned out afterwards, Christie was taken off. You know, he's been so key to St. Pat's sort of, you know, last season they really missed him because he'd been injured. I think he, 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 he played 16 games and he missed 17 games with a knee injury. So he was a big loss to them last season and a big reason why they were so flat last season. Whereas this season he started on like a house on fire. But he was sick on uh, last Thursday night and he was taken off at halftime because Liam Buckley had been saying that uh, Christie's kid had a bug and Christie picked it up and he'd been sick before the match and he was sick again at halftime in the dressing room so they had to take him off. And as soon as they took him off, no disrespect to Denny Corcoran up front, but he doesn't give you the same sort of uh, focus. He doesn't hold the ball up as well as Fagan does. He doesn't make those runs in behind, those sort of typical Fagan runs in behind. So St. Pat's definitely lost something just as they had been building towards something just before the break. They, they lost that. And you don't need to give Dundalk a sort of a second chance to, to, to jump on something like that. And they, they got their second and third goals within quick succession and finished it off with an injury time fourth, you know. So a great response from the champion having lost at home to Cork the week before. Uh, we mentioned in the terms of options, especially up top with uh, having Kilduff and McMillan at your disposal. Can you envisage that being something of an issue for Stephen Kenny going forward, having to choose between the two? Or even would there be scope to play the two of them up top together? Um. I, I don't think the way Dundalk play, I don't think they really, I don't think we'll see Kilduff and Macmillan starting too many games together. Like Kilduff, you know, Stephen Kenny has tried to sign Kilduff numerous times after Kilduff scored the winner, the, the couple of goals in the first game of the season to beat Bray. I think it was 3 1, I think, on the first game of the season. And Kilduff got two of them. And we spoke to Kilduff and, and Kenny after the game. and Kilduff sort of realized, started telling us about the amount of times that Kenny has tried to sign him throughout his career at different clubs, and it's just never really come off. So Kenny, Kenny's a huge admirer of Kilduff. Kilduff certainly knows where the goal is. He can be a frustrating player at times, 
whereby he might start the season, he, he'll get you a good few goals. He did the same with Shamrock Rovers. And then for whatever reason, he's sort of in and out of the team or he's picking up injuries. And the season seems to kind of just sort of peter out for him a little bit, you know, whereas McMillan, well, he mightn't always start games. He, he's, he's a very, very reliable sort of goal scorer. And Kilduff has certainly, I think Kilduff has started four of their five games so far. And McMillan might have only started one, come off the bench and a couple of others. But he's got his two goals, Kilduff has three goals. So it's a good headache. It's a, it's a mix and match, I think, for Kenny. I don't think we'll see the two of them starting together, though. Derry have won four out of five for a lot of people this week will be their first look at Derry because the game is live on TV let's talk about Shamrock Rovers and Galway United Uh, John Sullivan we heard him earlier on saying they are where they should be in third place and he thinks maybe they could even be a bit further up the table ten points from five games three wins one draw and uh, one defeat it hasn't been too bad so far for Galway United a bit of a test for them though against Shamrock Rovers who've had a break because their game against Cork City last weekend was postponed due to the amount of uh, international players involved uh, in the under-21 setup, setup from Rovers and City. What do you expect from that one? Yeah, um, it's, it's kind of a hard one to know. Uh, like Galway obviously have the momentum behind them. Um, they're coming off a good win against Bohemians last weekend, even though, by all accounts, it wasn't down there now, but by all accounts, the game was just played in a gale and uh, so the goalkeepers were having trouble spotting the ball and all this type of stuff for kickouts and it just disrupts the momentum. But momentum is one thing that Galway do have. Um, Tommy Dunn, I, I was away in Oslo at that uh, FIFA Pro uh, tournament for the out-of-contract players in uh, in January, and Tommy Dunn was over having scouting some sort of foreign players uh, to sign, and he signed one of them for Galway United. And Tommy sort of, just from chatting to a couple of the journalists over there, you know, Tommy was saying to us, he was really confident about what Galway could do this season because they've brought in a lot of reinforcements. They've brought in some good players. They've got sort of strength and strength and depth that they probably didn't have last season, particularly when they picked up injuries. And they've made a good signing. Kevin Devaney was one of the better Irish players in that tournament in Oslo, and he had Tommy assigned him. And Devaney's made a really good start to the season so far, scoring a couple of goals. And uh, they have that momentum behind them. You know, I think it took them seven, eight, nine games last season to get them into points that they're on already. So you know, that, that, that's good form going to Tala. Obviously, sort of never an easy game in Tala. Rovers started the season quite well, three wins from three, but then they lost that game at home to Pat. So, you know, Rovers are sort of, they can be kind of a frustrating team at times. You know, you, you sort of, you see them starting the three games or winning winning those first three games. They didn't concede a goal. And you think Rovers sort of, in, in my mind anyway, they'd be a better front-running team and then a team that has to chase to come off, you know, chase the pack as such and, and trying to whittle down points for the later in the season. But and that kind of, just, that, that, that's kind of the way as well with Rovers in a game, isn't it? Because I saw them against Pats a couple of weeks ago and when they went behind, they looked a little bit rudderless. Now, maybe that's harsh because I'm judging them on one game, but it seems to be the case. Yeah, I, I must admit now, I wasn't at that game. I was up in Oriel Park for the Cork City-Dundalk match that night, so I didn't see it myself. But I, I, I kind of know what you mean, yeah. Um I, I think when you look at it on paper, like the, the, I don't, I just think I just have my question marks about Rovers. You know, it's a big season for Pat Fenlon, and uh, you know he's been there what is it three years now, and I just think this is the season that they really have to make some sort of impact. I do think it'll be a tighter league this year. I still think Dundalk is the team to beat, but I certainly see the likes of Rovers and Pats being a little bit more competitive, perhaps, than they were last season, and sort of. Cork as well and I just see the gap at the top being a bit tighter than it was I don't think Dundalk are going to run away and win it by 11 points but you just have to wonder how will Rovers react to that 
to that Pats match, you know, losing 2 0 at home. Um, and, you know, they, they really need to beat Galway this weekend. You mentioned the gap closing at the top. Cork City obviously looking to do that. They also had the week off last week and they travelled to Sligo this coming Saturday evening. Seeing Sligo concede four on the road to Bray last week, surely Cork are somewhat licking their lips at the prospect of this one. You would have thought so, absolutely. Yeah, Sligo Rovers seem to be a bit of a basket case at the moment. Um, nothing's going their way. Um, Why is that, do you think? Well, Dave, Dave Robertson's come in. He's he's a manager from outside the league. Not that that is necessarily going to have any impact on it. Like Sligo have a, a long tradition of appointing managers from outside the league, particularly English managers. And you know, some of them, like Paul Cook, was very very successful. And Ian Barraclough won a title there. So Dave Robertson's come in. He's the former Peterborough United manager. He was sacked by Peterborough, and he's come in. And uh, he, he was the uh, he was the manager who brought Chris Forrester over to uh, over to Peterborough at the time. But he's come in, and when he came in in November. They had three players on the books retained from last season. So he had to piece together an entirely new team. And he's done so. And he's brought in, you know, a, a couple of sort of experienced players as such, like Michal Schlingerman and goal, Tim Clancy, the centre-back. Gavin Pearce has been re-signed, I think, for an 11th season in a row. But the rest of the squad, there's like there's an awful lot. Of, there's no doubt about a lot of the talent of some of the players. Jimmy Johan's a good player. Uh, Sadler is a good player as well but there's an awful lot there's a good few teenagers in the team 18, 19 year olds there's a lot of 20, 21, 22 year olds some of them like one or two uh, lads the lad Craig Rodden had been away at Liverpool at one stage he, he's an English fella but he's still only 21, 22 and they've just got an incredibly young team and Robertson at the start of the season was sort of asked numerous times about you know this will never work this will never work too many young players and he, he sort of naturally sort of talked them up and said, "Well, look, if you're good enough, you're old enough." Mm. But so far, they've had um, so far the you know five games without a win. They've picked up two points. They've lost heavily to Bray last week. They lost to Shamrock Rovers. They've lost to Bohemians. You know, he believes that once his luck turns and they pick up a point, that they can go on a run. But uh, you'd have to worry for Sligo Rovers at the moment. Uh, it kind of shows the power of continuity, I suppose, when you both look at Sligo Rovers and to an extent St. Pat's as well. They've had to bring in a lot of new players in the close season and have had to chop and change things and as a result have been blowing kind of hot and cold. To have the, say, continuity of a Dundalk or a Cork even, it really does work in your favour now. Yeah, it is. It's massive. And, you know, Dundalk, you know, I think sort of obviously losing Richie Tell was a big blow for them, but they didn't sort of... They didn't panic as such. They did bring in Patrick McElhenney, who, I, you know, from what I've seen so far, he's looking good. And I think he's I think he's a player with a lot more to give. You know, he was sort of a big fish in a small pond at Derry. And, you know, he always sort of kind of played almost with a target on his back when he when he was with Derry. And so they, he was always just being watched and opposition players were sort of, you know, latching onto him and he might get too much space in games. Whereas with Dundalk, he's kind of, he can sort of, yeah, you can sort of hide in the shadows a little bit if you know what I mean in terms of they have so many good players and you can't mark them all so he might thrive in that sort of freer role playing off Kildoff or Dave McMillan whoever it is but my point being that they've only really signed McElhenney and Robbie Benson this season they didn't panic they haven't ripped up the script they've stuck to what they have and that continuity should really stand to them Cork City have made a lot of changes this year Um they have retained some of the old guard too, but they've, they've, they've made a lot of changes with sort of Garoud Morrissey coming back. Shawnee Maguire up front is, is, is doing a sort of a really good job so far. Um, and, you know, Greg Bulger is a really key signing for them in midfield. He's one of the best midfielders in the league. If you can just sort of knock that sort of 
tendency to sort of leave a stray boot in here or there. If you can knock that out of this game, it'll really stand for them. But Cork had to make these changes because John Caulfield has said it a couple of times already this season that what they were doing, you know, they, they had to go off Dundalk for the last two seasons and they came up short both times. And he kind of sort of felt that we're going to have to match them now. We're going to have to change the way we play. We're going to have to be more dynamic and fluid in how we play. So he's changed and he's brought in those type of footballers to try and sort of to try and match how Dundalk play to a certain degree. So far, so good for them. Yes, indeed. It seems continuity is king. And thank you to Paul O'Hare for taking time out to speak to us this week as our ever-evolving cast of characters increases here on the SSE or Tristy Lee podcast on Newstalk.com. We're going to have our own puppet show before the end of the year as well and a spin-off, I believe. The First Division uh, podcast is going to get its own thing. No, it's Because not. there are disgruntled Shells fans out in the office who are like, what are you going to talk about There's Shells? a disgruntled Shells fan out in the office. And uh, he shouldn't complain. Limerick top of the league. They're going to breeze the First Division. And uh, they actually do play Shelburne this week in Marketsfield. Kick-off at 6.30 hasn't on been, Saturday. To be honest, it hasn't been a good start of the season for Shelburne down the First Division. It's struggling so far. Yeah, and it's a pity because they are a great club. And... Um, it will be interesting to see what happens with them and Bowes regards ground share in the next couple of weeks. They really, 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 really need to make this happen. Together? Yes. Absolutely. They need to share a ground. It's stupid Listen, that they don't. It's I'd, stupid. It's ridiculous. I'd, I'd say, given the scenario that has been put before both clubs, and I'm sure this is probably something we can get into at a later date, yeah. uh, hopefully with somebody involved with either or, or club, um, it is something that, given the current scenario for both clubs, given the opportunity that's ahead of them if they wanted to go ahead with this it just it seems to to, it seems to me it's the only common sense move and I'm saying this without my black and red hat on I'm saying this with an impartial hat on I'm saying it it seems to make common sense for them to to move in together but you know such is life and such is the vagaries of the League of Ireland that you have to hold on to trenching views in your own little corner of the patch of the ground sometimes in this case don't think so if they move in together I smell a sitcom oh man uh, the games this week, by the way, Bohemians taking on Longford. These the Friday night matches. Dundalk meeting Derry. That one's a TV game. Finn Harps playing St. Pat's. Shamrock Rovers taking on Galway. And Wexford Youths taking on Bray Wanderers. In the first division on Friday night, Drogheda take on Cabin Teeley. UCD face Athlone. And Waterford United, who have won two of, the, two of their last two, are up against Cove Ramblers. On Saturday, Sligo Rovers hosting Cork City. And as we already said in the first division, Limerick taking on Shelburne. I'm kind of conflicted about uh, what game to go to on Friday night can't go to one on Saturday because I'm doing the rugby and let's, let's face it it's, it's quite frankly I think now's your opportunity to head up to Bally Buffet and apologise to the people of Donegal I, again I insulted the roads on the way to Bally Buffet and not the people of Donegal and as we found out a couple of weeks ago if you want to check back in the episodes somebody took offence to that they, they really did they wrote in a letter on pretty heavy gauge paper they were a councillor from the local area and they were thick with you so yes. I'd say go on an apology tour maybe go up on the back of the regional bus that took the bureau around the regions in <laughs> again I'm, I'm stretching this again, too far yeah you are a reference yeah. that no one got in the first place I so, mean bad enough that you referenced Chevy Chase right only I got that because I Chevy Chase show Four glorious episodes. Five, technically. You need a slap in the Chevy Chase. Uh, we do encourage violence on this podcast. Mean? What does that even mean? You just don't get Cockney rhyming slam, do you? You're uh, not cool like me. You could have stopped that sentence halfway through and it probably would have been correct as well. Um, that will just about do it. It will just about week. do it, but uh, I want you to tell me what game to go to uh, this week. Uh, I would say... There's an intriguing story kind of unfolding at Daily Mount, I have to say, with Bose and Longford, because yeah. Bose. Somebody pointed out last week, I know the conditions, as Paul pointed out, up in um, Eamon DC Park on Saturday evening weren't, or Saturday afternoon it was actually, weren't the best. A gale is what he said. 
I just it's going to be a long season for Bowes this year and this is one game where they really need momentum they need three points and they need to actually do something because otherwise back-to-back defeats for them could start to drain the confidence from that pretty youthful yeah. and pretty hodgepodge squad well that argument has really convinced me I know where I'm going Tala Shamrock Rovers taking on Galway United uh, that's it from me you can get me via Twitter at Oshin Langan you can get me via The Bureau on Twitter uh, which <laughs> let it go. was a sitcom that was in the data you've let the news go I have let the news go at Richie McCormick until next time bye 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 go on then walk the lot of you walk I've got people queuing up to work inside this Bureau de Change <laughs>